It is a real joy to be with you guys this morning. It has been a few years. Um, yeah, I remember the first time I came to Hills was 32 years ago. Sherry and I were engaged. I'd finished at Kingsley College down in Melbourne and Sherry was still finishing off her uni degree in the States. We were engaged but we didn't see each other for 10 months and I had to do a deputation on my own. I'm not a public speaker. But I came to the Hills and you guys loved us and you've supported us and okay, things are up and down but you just have invested in us over all of these years and we want to thank you for that. I know we're meant to be here to minister to you but you guys have already ministered to me. Thank you so much. Uh, just the singing, the love, thank you. When we're out in the Fulga area, um, the people have come up with a new name for us. They all know us as Don and Sherry. They have no idea what our last name is. But they've observed us and they've noticed that we, we like to be together. We hang out together. We're actually best friends. And, and so they actually call us Don Seri. That's the one name. So we may be together and they say, oh, Don Seri, Don Seri. Or it may be Sherry off at the market on her own and they still say Don Seri to her <laughs> or me on my own. So it's, it's funny that it's been observed by the people. Uh, and I take that as a great compliment, that we are best friends. Because together we're stronger, really. Out at Fulgur, I've been trying to work on a, a building project. Uh, we're doing nurse housing. 85% um, of all healthcare in the rural areas is run by churches and missions in Papua New Guinea. So the government really relies on the churches to, to deliver that. And so they give us some funding for developing, for building buildings and things like that. And so when I'm trying to build a, a two story nurse, dare I say it, it's six units. So would that be a sexplex? I embarrass her sometimes. <laughs> it's a six-unit a six housing unit for, for nurses. Uh, and the building, is, we're progressing, but the problem is there's been fighting, tribal fighting. In the first 30 years after the gospel first came to Fulgo, there was no tribal fighting. But after that 30 years, there's, just, there's always been a, an undercurrent and it just breaks out from time to time. And it seems to be getting even more frequent these days. So in the last 10 weeks, 17 people have been killed in tribal fighting in the Fulga area. My workers can't come to work. Um, I, I go and supervise and work with them at times, and then I leave them to keep on going with some of the work, but they can't even come to work because it's not safe. Uh, many of our people have had to run away. In fact, one of our faculty at the Bible College, who is from that village, has had to leave the college and uh, flee to Port Moresby. So the college is 300 k's away from Fugwa. It's not close. But they're trying to find people to get even with, anyone that's related to kill for payback. And so Andy has had to leave the college and, and run away to Port Moresby to be safe. So it's a bit hard to get these building projects going when no one can come and work because they're all afraid for their lives. And yet the church is growing. And I'm so thankful for that, that even in all these difficult times, um, the church is still growing. They're looking at creating another district and reaching out to new areas, uh, surrounding areas. And so we're encouraged in that, even though there are bad things happening, you know, God's still in control. 
And the song that we sang about re-surrender, I was thinking, yeah, maybe there needs to be a bit of re-surrendering going on at Fuga at the moment because they, they really need it. And so things are good on mission field, but it's not always good. Sometimes we, we love to tell these glowing, wonderful victory stories, but there are a lot of things that happen that aren't so good, and the fighting has been a problem. Um, when I try and drive to Fugwa, I try and get a, like a weather report, but I get a road report. How many roadblocks are there? What are they demanding at the moment? Are they killing people and raping women? on the road, or is it just money thereafter? And so I get a report from our church people as to, is it safe enough for me to drive out there? And when we run into roadblocks, um, I like to bargain. Usually they just want money from us. And uh, they say, oh, we need 50 kina, so that's like mm, $20. And I say, oh, that's, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and I, I pat the logo of the, the church logo on the side of a vehicle and say, do you have a mission discount? And they normally give it to me. <laughs> so 50 kina goes down to 5 kina. $2, I can handle that. But Sherry gets cross with me because, well, often they have machetes and you know, different weapons that they're brandishing, but you just, you just uh, decide how serious they are and take it from there. So anyway, I'm very frugal. I'm one of those frugal Floyds. Sherry and I often, well, we half joke, but we're also serious. We say it takes two of us to make one missionary. And really, it's true. Uh, between the two of us, we managed to pull it off. If I had been in PNG as a single, I would have left a long time ago. I wouldn't have survived. And I think Sherry feels the same way as a, as a single woman. But together, we can support each other. And when one feels down, then the other can buoy the other one up. So we support each other. But it does take two of us. Um, so I'd like to hand over to Sherry, who, who will <laughs> do better. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, Mr. Frugal Floyd. I'm sitting there in the passenger seat going, they've got machetes, just pay them. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> One of the uh, jobs that's been somewhat new for me is with the empty nest fast approaching. John has just finished year 12 through New South Wales Distance Education. A few years ago, I could see the empty nest was approaching and I was praying and asking God what was next. And I felt that God was asking me to top up some of my own education. And so I went... Um, Back to studies online, and I finished off all the subjects that one needs for ordination in the Wesleyan Church, and I also worked on getting a master's degree in adult education. And then I went to the Bible college, and I said, I've heard you for the last 10, 15 years talking about some things that you want to happen at the college, and you keep saying you want it to happen, but it doesn't seem to happen. And I think if you want it to happen, you're going to need this particular position, so what do you think? Would you like to create that position? And if you do, I'd like to apply for it. <laughs> and I said, but this is not going to be the mission telling you what to do. Like, you have to decide if you want to hire me on, basically. And they said yes. And so I've been involved in helping the Wesleyan Bible College set up a bridging program 
that helps adults who have had limited or interrupted or both education come up to a level where they can go to Bible college. Because in the few bigger cities in Papua New Guinea, the education standards here and they're wanting it to go higher. But over the years, the government is neglecting the rural population, which is 85% of the population. And so while the standard in town is here, the standard in the rural areas is going here. And so you need a bridge to help people coming out of rural populations, the majority population, to be able to access further education, particularly going to Bible college, being able to read their Bible well. And I want to thank your church for playing a big part in that because we did a lot of research on what would be a Bible that was English and helping these students move towards studying in English because English is the language of academics in Papua New Guinea. That's not my choice. That's something the Australian administration set up before independence ever came to Papua New Guinea. So how do we bridge them into studying in English? And I found a Bible that's really great for English um, as a second language speakers. And your church has provided those Bibles. I just sort of get in touch with Pastor Nathan and say, look, we've got a new income coming in, our stock's getting low, could we get another 10 Bibles? And you've been so faithful to do that for us. And so thank you. I think of you very regularly as I'm in that bridging program classroom and teaching. So the bridging program kicked off, um, it's been going two years now. So it must have kicked off in 2021. And it had started well, and we took a break, and it was a period when they weren't fighting at Fugwa, and so we were able to go out, and Don was able to spend some time working on this project, um, this building project with local men, and he's training them in, in skills and setting them up for the next phase of building. And while we were there, we got word that one of the old pastors, Hariwa, had had a stroke and was quite ill, and... Initially, he hadn't been able to move or to talk, but gradually a bit of life was coming back and he was able to move one hand and he was able to speak quite clearly and understand what people were saying to him. So Don and I rushed to go see him and Pastor Hardywa had been one of the very first converts. He grew up in the Stone Age and he remembers when vehicles first came to the area and he said he might have been way up a hill and he was carrying firewood but when he heard that vehicle he would drop the firewood as a, a young man and he would run to try to catch that vehicle or if he couldn't quite catch it at least see it in the distance and he would take a deep breath and smell the exhaust <laughs> because it was just something so new and different. He remembers, you know, his working with his dad to cut down trees with a stone axe. And he remembers the gospel coming and hearing this good news about the medicine that could make his dirty insides feel clean. The medicine was Jesus. And he shared that good news for so many years. Pastor Hariwa served as a district superintendent at Fugwa and in 
that time and that place, that was considered a kind of prestigious thing, you know, everybody wanted the position. But after a while, Hariwa left it. And he went down to Port Moresby and he found people from Fuqua who had drifted to the city but were lost. And they needed a shepherding influence. And he planted Wesleyan churches in Port Moresby. And he was always the guy, always the guy, who would find some young people to send to the Bible college. And, you know, and he would believe in young people when none of the rest of us did. But he just had faith in them because he wanted to pass on this amazing message that he had heard about this Jesus who could make your dirty insides clean. Well, he's now an old man and he's had a stroke and we want to go see him. And so we rushed to the house where he is now living in retirement. And although he's lived in Port Moresby in the capital city in uh, you know, a Western style house and driven a vehicle, he's now back to his roots and he feels more comfortable in a bush house with uh, the thatch roof and the woven uh, blind sort of mats on the walls and he's laying on just a traditional platform by the fire so he can stay warm. And I can see that, you know, he can't move, but he recognizes us straight away. His mind's clear and he can move one hand. And he reaches out his hand to me and I broke with almost 30 years of Papua New Guinea custom. Now, Papua New Guinea custom is beyond a little shake hand from a distance, men and women don't touch. Okay, even Dawn, we were being scandalous this morning during prayer when he put his arm around me. Like, that's just, you know, you just don't touch. But I dropped to my knees beside the sleeping platform and I grabbed his hand and I kissed his hand and held it to my face. Because I haven't just been ministering to Papua New Guineans for the last 30 years, they've been ministering to me. And Hariwa had been pouring into my life and encouraging me as a young person. And who knows, maybe I was one of those young people that nobody else would have thought was such a good option. But he had believed in me. And he said to me that day, Sherry, you've been learning a lot of things over the last how many decades in Papua New Guinea? And you know us very well. And I also know you've been doing some further education. And those two things together, Sherry, teach. You've got to pass it on. You've got to pass it on. And the visit went on, but those were his last direct instructions to me. Sherry, you're not done yet. There are things that you need to pass on. Well, towards the end of that year, I could look back and say we had had a successful launch to the bridging program at the Bible College, and I was indeed passing on some of the things I'd learned about the Bible and some of the things I'd learned about adult education. And then I got a call from the Global Partners North American um, hierarchy, and they said, um, Sherry, the regional director for Pacific Southeast Asia, which Papua New Guinea falls in, the regional director has decided that he's 
um, finished with full-time missions, and he's going to return back to North America. And I said, oh, that's a bit sad. I like that guy. You know, he was nice. And then they said, so we're calling to ask if you would take it over. Really? Really? And I have to admit, my first inclination was to say, no, I'm not interested. I like what I'm doing, and I just want to stick with that. But I just felt a check of the Holy Spirit. Just felt a check of the Holy Spirit, and I felt like the Lord said, Sherry, do you remember when you first came to PNG and all those great PNG pastors like Hariwa, who invested in you? And you remember those early missionaries like the Hodgkins and the Kyleholtzes who sh freely shared their knowledge with you and how much that mentoring helped you? Like, do you remember that? Well, it's your turn now. I felt the Holy Spirit say that to me. And so, after some prayer, I got back to them and said, yeah, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> but God's good. You know, as we take on a position like that, even if there's not excitement at the beginning, I think the excitement grows. And so now I'm in touch with um, missionaries and indigenous churches, sort of spanning from Japan, you know, going across Southeast Asia, Papua New Guinea and Indonesia, um, going through that area. And I'm convinced that that message that Hariwa gave me is probably a good message for all of us. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul's talking to young Timothy, and he says, My son, be strong in the grace that is yours in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach in front of many witnesses. Pass on to people you can trust the things you've heard me say, then they will be able to teach others also. For those of you who have known me and Dawn from day one, and you're my parents' age, you probably think I'm not so old. For those of you who... Um, are 30 and down, you know, you might think I'm 900 years old. <laughs> okay, so actually, I'm 53. Four. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not, I'm 53. <laughs> Yeah, clearly the rod is setting in. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, you know, am, am I young? Yes. To Pastor Hariwa, to Pastor Hariwa, I'm young. You know, he was the father giving me this blessing. And to some of you, no, nah, Sherry, your hair is fully white, you're old. <laughs> um, but I've decided that Although Paul was talking to Timothy, and we think of Timothy as a young man, this instruction is for all ages. I don't think we ever get to retire from the passing it on. And so God is calling me to do that at the moment with some missionaries who are quite a bit younger than me. Um, but no matter what my age is, I have this responsibility to pass on the things that I've heard 
the good teaching, the good news. In my role as a regional director for um, Wesleyan missions in Pacific Southeast Asia, I was able to visit Indonesia. And going to Indonesia was just so different from what I was used to in Papua New Guinea in some ways, and then other ways it was similar. I recognized a lot of food and just the way people live. But um, spending time on Java at the Wesleyan Bible College there, it was so different because of the really strong Muslim presence on Java. And so we spent time at the Wesleyan Bible College. And if you were, I'm thinking of myself at the classroom building, and back at this corner of the property, there's a mosque. And if you go back over that way, there's another mosque that you can hear when they're doing the call to prayer. And then over the road, there's another mosque. And so here's this Bible college within the sound of three mosques doing a call to prayer. And you would think that as the lecturers are passing on what they have learned to the young people, they would be, you know, like really careful and uh, feeling quite oppressed. And I'm not saying that they don't feel oppressed. But while we were there, we learned that before you can graduate from the Wesleyan Bible College of Indonesia, before you receive your piece of paper, you have to lead six people to Jesus. I wonder how that graduation requirement would even go in Australia. And yet within the sound of three mosques and under oppression, they're saying to these young people, pass it on. You're not here just to receive a bunch of teaching from us at the Bible College, but you've got to pass it on. And if you haven't led at least six people to Jesus, you're not graduating. Just incredible. Just incredible. And so in, this, in the process of passing it on, passing on the teaching that we've received, the wisdom that we've received, the good news that we carry within us. As Dawn said, we could tell you a lot of victory stories. We could tell you about the recent national conference where the national church planned it all. The missionaries didn't have to go shopping for them. The missionaries didn't have to help print the name tags. They did it all, and they led well. And sometimes if the missionary uh, spoke to one item in the whole conference, so Don spoke to one item, the whole conference, that's it. And somebody managed to get mad and told him they were mad, like, and that's really healthy, by the way, that people can say to the missionaries, I don't like what you said, and you've made me mad, instead of saying, oh no, whatever Don says, we've got to do it, no. Really good, healthy feedback. We could tell you about 12 people being ordained at that conference. Um, baptisms every year. People coming to the Bible college. Is it going to be easy? Well, Jesus says to us in John chapter 16, verse 33. He's been talking about all the things that are coming up. 
before he dies, and he says, I have told you these things so that you can have peace because of me. In this world, you will have trouble, but be encouraged. I have won the battle over the world. And so we hold in tension this idea of passing things on and this, um, the good things that will happen as a result of it. We hold it in tension with, in this world, you will have lots of trouble. In this world, you will work in the violence of tribal fighting at Fuqua. In this world, you will teach young people in the shadow of three mosques. In this world, you will be surrounded by a very secular society who just aren't interested. But be encouraged. I have won the battle over the world. At Fuqua today, they're probably fighting. If they're not fighting, they're looking around the Fuqua Valley and further abroad to Mount Hagen and even the capital city to find someone related to the enemy clan so they can pick them off and in their minds even up the score. And of course, the other clan is going to say, no, no, now the score's unbalanced and I've got to even up the score. I wish I could tell you that we're going to figure out a way to completely stop that. And certainly we pray for it and we work towards it. But I'm also aware that Jesus said, in this world you're going to have trouble. But be encouraged. Today, we're also sending off an application to a young man named Koki. His grandfather was one of the first converts and ministered for many years at Fuqua. His dad and his brother have been in ministry either preaching or teaching, and they currently have fled Fuqua. They are displaced. They cannot return to Fuqua right now because it's not safe. After hiding up in the hills for some months, they realized it wasn't going to get better, so during a moment of safety, they got a bus and they got out. And they're just laying low at another place in the country. And Koki could be discouraged, but Koki is applying for Bible college. He'll probably be in my classroom next month because he wants to pass it on. Yes, in this world we are going to have trouble, but be encouraged and pass it on. <laughs>